Hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot to talk about going on in the Big Ten. The big news from today is that Chris Holtman has been fired from Ohio State. We have Tim from the Views from the Shot podcast, the Big Banter Sports Ohio State affiliate podcast with us to talk about that. We're also going to have Anthony from Spartan Wire join us here soon, uh, but uh, uh, we also have Rajiv here with us to talk through a little bit of what was going on with Wisconsin, then breaking their four-game losing streak against uh, Ohio State, which is fortunate for them. So uh, let's check in with these guys, and then we'll get into it. Tim, how are you doing tonight? Uh, better now that I'm here with you. Excited to talk Ohio State basketball breaking news, um, and less excited to talk about Ohio State losing to Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the uh, fortunate bright side of uh, the future and what is to come of Ohio State. Rajiv, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. The opposite of Tim, I'm uh, happy to talk about the Wisconsin-Ohio State game because we were desperate for a victory to get back on track. And yeah, happy to get into other stuff as well. All right, sounds good. Let's go ahead and get into it then, guys. So Ohio State has fired Chris Holtman. Chris Holtman was 30-30 and 30 over the past two seasons in Big Ten play. He was 9 and 25. And I just want to say one thing before we start talking about this stuff and all the things that are going on with it. Chris Holtman is widely regarded as as one of the best character head coaches, one of the nicest and kindest head coaches to media and guys like that out there. So uh, this is like I've said in previous podcasts, it, it is probably time for Chris Holtman to go. I know the Ohio State fan base is uh, is excited that they're moving on to somebody else. Uh, but it should be noted that Chris Holtman, just a, a really, really good guy. And we really do hope that he lands on his feet somewhere, whether that be at a smaller school like a Gardner-Webb that he was at before or somewhere like uh, like in a Big East school, maybe a, a Butler or something like that. Obviously, Butler has that model right now. But just something like that where he can be on his feet and land somewhere uh, that is good for him. Tim, we'll start with you first. What was your reaction to finding out that Chris Holtman was fired from Ohio State? Yeah, I think the timing was pretty curious, but it was clear that Chris Holtman wasn't going to last after this offseason. I know he specifically thought that he was going to not only make it through this season, but he thought he was going to get one year under new athletics director Ross Bjork. So the timing wise, it, it doesn't bode well for Ohio State. Yes, they get out in front of it. They get to be kind of first in line to go start putting out some feelers with agents for, you know, potential coaches and and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that Ohio State right now has no coach. Um, obviously, Jake Dietler stepping in. He's not going to be the head coach next season for Ohio State. And no one's going to want to commit to this program until they find a head coach. And at the same time, players can now transfer out because there's a play, there, there's a coaching change so players can get a head start on on portaling as well. So the timing not good for Ohio State but it was it was clearly uh the decision was going to be made that Chris Holton would not return this year. So it it 100 makes 100% makes sense. I think the timing is a little odd. So d- let me get this straight. So do you think that players will be able to transfer here in the middle of the semester? Do you think that's something that they'll look at doing? Or do you think it's more likely at the end of the season, we'll probably see some more of those transfers at that time? Yeah, technically, the transfer portal uh, can open for players, you know, 30 day, there's a 30 day window with these um, with with a coaching change. And what what Ohio State fans need to remember is that players do not commit to logos they do not commit to universities they do not commit to cities they commit to coaches so with chris holtman being gone very very likely that bruce thornton roddy gale felix akpara the buckeyes best players are at least going to entertain the option to go find a new place to play next season so of course on the flip side it means ohio state can potentially rebuild quickly and grab some players of their own out of the transfer portal but 100 percent um, there, there's really only there's two players on the roster right now who I would say, yeah, there's probably a high degree of likelihood they'll be back next season. And one of their two incoming freshmen, I think, will 100 percent be in. Other than that, this is going to be a completely new roster next season. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Rajiv, what was uh, your reaction to seeing Chris Holtman be let go earlier today? Yeah, I mean, from an outsider of Ohio State in general, <clears throat> I think the first of all, I agree with what Tim said about the timing. I never like to see mid-season firings unless there's an actual clear plan of succession in place where, you know, if they really want Debo to like give him basically an audition and see if they're going to hire him. But you guys are saying he's not going to probably be the guy. 
So in that case, it, I think it is a little strange. And yes, the transfer portal is going to be a problem. We're already, I'm sure Wisconsin's hopefully eyeing up some guys as well. But I mean, ultimately, the guy had a great start, you know, when he came in and you guys, I think, were had maybe uh, Elite Eight with him, right? Is that am I right about that? Or No, he never got past the second round. Okay. All yeah. right. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, but the last two seasons are just, they've been down in the dumps. And Ohio State has a killer instinct, right? I mean, Ohio State is every other program in the Big Ten looks up to Ohio State as far as, like, obviously on a football level. But as an athletic department... There is a need for success. So, you know, I think the, the the decision to get rid of him is probably right and what's right for Ohio State. Timing of it's a little strange. Um, but I completely agree about what you said about Chris Holman. Now, while I don't know the details of how nice of a guy he is, from a coaching perspective, I absolutely think he will land on his feet. Um, definitely, like you said, Big East, I think that could definitely happen. Uh, but he's a good coach, and he's going to hopefully find success at his next place. And it'd be really interesting to see where Ohio State goes from here how many players they lose and can retain. Um, but really like, you know, the next, the next phase of Ohio state's there and it's, it'll be fun to see what happens. Yeah, no, a big, a big thing for me is just seeing that Chris Holtman lands on his feet. I I'm confident that Ohio state will be fine and they'll make a good hire here. Uh, Ross Bjork is coming in and I watched a little bit of uh, Gene Smith's press conference after Chris Holtman was let go earlier today. So, uh, and I know that he is basically giving everything to Ross Bjork to be able to hire the new guy here. Uh, Gene said he would assist him and give him all the help he can possibly give him. But uh, let, you know, make no mistake, this will be Ross Bjork's hire for Ohio State. And uh, with Ross Bjork, who seems to really want to get somebody good in here and, and really make sports a priority. I think that's going to be a, a, a thing that he's really going to focus on. Tim, what are some names uh, that that you would uh, think of that could possibly be an Ohio State future head coach? Yeah, I've seen 20, 30 names thrown out there. Essentially, if they've had any kind of success, uh, they are in the mix, essentially, is what fans think. I think the kind of the top of the list names that you can think of are probably Mick Cronin and Nate Oates. Those would be the top two that Ohio State would likely pursue. Mick Cronin is from Cincinnati. Obviously, he brought Cincinnati up uh, before moving to UCLA. Mick Cronin is fed up with how things are going at UCLA, fed up with the NIL situation at UCLA. UCLA just lost Chip Kelly for a very similar reason to Ohio State. So I think Mick Cronin may not necessarily be eager to leave, uh, but if the right opportunity would come, were to come, I think that uh, he could be a potential fit. Um, so Mick Cronin for sure. Nate Oates kind of feels like your your dream uh, candidate for sure. I'm not sure that he would be all that open to Ohio State. I feel like he's a better fit for Michigan, uh, but those are some names that I would think of. And then kind of as you go down the list, there's a couple other names as well. Um, I think Buzz Williams, just because of the connection with Texas A&M, um, I, I think that could be a name that Ohio State would consider. Uh, you got Sean Miller at Arizona. That would kind of be a, a you know that second tier. Greg McDermott as well are some bigger names. And then you've got guys um, who you know will come from the mid-major ranks that I think people have got a lot of interest in. Um, but fans have got to be careful. You know, Ohio State picked up Chris Holtman, um, obviously from Butler, where uh, at that time it was a it was not a power six conference uh, or, or power six program. It was a technically a mid-major. So I would prefer that Ohio State go take someone who has actually done it in a power conference setting at this point. But uh, a lot of names have been thrown out there. Those are a couple that I would say would be the top tier uh, A-list candidates for the role. It- Tim, could you see a possible return of Thad Mata, who is doing a pretty good job at Butler this season after having a losing season last year? But this Butler program was obviously not in a great situation when he got there, but they're obviously improving. Could you see a possibility of Thad Mata coming back to Ohio State? Yeah, I really don't know. Um, You know, by the time that this podcast got started, Thad Mata was long gone from Ohio State. So I've never spoken with him. I have no, no idea what the sentiment is, but. The connection is that he used to coach there and the way things uh, fell out for Thad Mata at Ohio State were very, very bad. So for him to want to return to Columbus, yeah, it, it may be a feel-good story, but there's no connection. Ross Bjork doesn't know Thad Mata as far as I'm aware. Um, the connection is simply that he used to coach at Ohio State and he's done a good job at Butler. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Thad Mata is not in the mix here. Interesting, interesting. All right, we got Anthony here, so we're going to bring Anthony in to uh to join us here there we go and look at that everybody's in their nice right little box how you doing anthony good fellas sorry i was a little bit late 
No, glad to have you here. Uh, so this next question is for, is for you, Rajiv, and you, Anthony. Are there any players on this Ohio State roster that you're looking at and you're just kind of licking your chops and you're like, man, this would be a really nice guy to add to our roster or this is going to be a hot commodity that might go to another Big Ten roster somewhere else? Uh, Anthony, because I know you're always tweeting out, you know, is this guy for me and stuff like that on Twitter. We'll let you go first. What are your thoughts about potential players from Ohio State leaving and who you would like to see maybe be added to your roster? Is for me is one of the best running bits, by the way. Um, the <laughs> little, uh, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so first off, I'm going to I'm gonna step in for Rajiv here and say, Wisconsin, you already got your all-star transfer in AJ store. So <laughs> you guys could just buzz off um, <laughs> in this uh, in this scenario. Um I can't remember the last time, if any, if Tomazo actually used the portal mid-season. He's pretty sparing with how he uses it in general. Um, so I can't, I, I, I'd have to go way back to remember the last time he did that. Obviously, I'd love to see a pure scorer like Roddy Gale or Bruce Thornton, but I know that everyone's going to be after them. Um, it's you know more options to space the floor, although Michigan State has you know figured out their three-point shooting a little bit better. Sometimes their offense can stagnate a little bit. So, you know, offensive creators like that could never hurt. Um, <clears throat> in general, I think the the obvious answer is going to be um, Felix uh, Okpara. Um, just MSU has a hole at center. You know, maybe they're getting a little better play from someone like, like Carson Cooper. But, I mean, that – I would say more options at center, the better, right? We have an open scholarship. Let's, let's use it if we can. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and that's honestly one of the guys I, I fear losing the most. Uh, before we move to you, Rajiv, we do have a casual big 10 Kent who's with us every now and then. JR brought the stars out tonight. Yes, we did. Kent just for you with this big episode. Uh, we did bring out the stars uh, here. Rajiv, who are uh, some guys that you're looking at on the Ohio State roster? It's like, man, I really hope this guy enters the portal and Greg Garda, you know, looks at and gives him a look. Yeah, it's definitely Felix Okpara because we need a backup five. I mean, Stephen Crowell is good, but he's not great. He's not as physical as a guy like Okpara can be and, and is. Um, he's had 59 blocks this year, by the way. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, that's the guy. And, and our look, I think anyone is going to be happy with Bruce Thorne because he's very efficient and he can he can do. He's very creative guard, which is great. We just don't need that right now. We've got Chucky Hepburn. Uh, we have John Blackwell. We've got Daniel Freetag coming in next season. Uh, we've got plenty of twos in Klesman and a Siegen. So I feel like at this point, we really just need Okpara. And I hope we go after him because that's the, that's a, literally the exact kind of player that we need. Someone who is a, a decent rim protector, um, who has some size and can, can play a physical five. And we just need cover at that position, which we don't have right now. Wow. Sounds like Felix Okpara will be a... Uh, a pretty, uh, you know, big name out there for some people to go after. Tim, I didn't write this question down for you, but I'm sure uh, it's an opinion question. I'm sure you'll be able to answer it pretty easily. Are there any guys on this roster for Ohio State that you're just like, oh my gosh, please no, please do not, you know, go after this guy, whether young guys or guys who have proven themselves so far this season. Are there any guys like that for you that you're just like, oh my gosh, please don't take him. We really need him to stay. Yeah, it would be Bruce Thornton, number one. He he would be the only one in that top tier. Roddy Gale has shown some really, uh, really poor stretches of play uh, this season where he struggled with turnovers and just not looking like uh, a Division One basketball player at times with this decision-making. Felix Akpara, uh, very good rim protector. I think Wisconsin would love a guy like Felix Akpara, given that Nolan Winter is 6'11", has zero blocks in his entire career. Uh, so that would be huge, I think, for Wisconsin. But I think far and away it would be Bruce Thornton. And then got to remember, Ohio State has had now two top eight recruiting classes in a row. So that freshman class where Taysom Chapman has gotten no playing time so far this season, Scotty Middleton was suspended for a game. Even Austin Parks could be a player who could who, who could portal out as well, although I don't really expect that. But even that freshman class, there's going to be some players who who are going to say, I didn't get my playing time this year. I committed to a coach. That coach is gone. I have nothing keeping me here in Columbus, so I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. So I think the number one player would be Bruce Thornton, but there's going to be plenty plenty who are lining up. That's crazy to think about. Oh, go ahead. I, I do know that um, Izzo recruited Devin Royal pretty hard, too. Um, he was in, I, I can't remember if it was his top three or top five or whatever, but Michigan State was definitely in the mix for him late, so wouldn't surprise me to see them take a look at him, too. 
gosh darn Anthony. That was the guy I was going to say that I, I really like the potential that Devin Royal has. And I think that he's a player that, you know, if he sticks around, you know, the, the new coach who comes in could really do something with him. But, uh, you know, if uh, Tom Izzo is calling your name, I don't, it's kind of hard to say no <laughs> to, uh, to Tom Izzo. So, all right. Uh, good discussion there, guys. Let's go ahead and move on to Ohio state and Wisconsin. And uh, t- this is uh, something Tim will stick around for, but Tim's going to head out after this game. Tim, we'll let you kind of go first here, and then we'll let Rajiv just tell us uh, how great of Wisconsin was in this game. But we'll let Tim go first. Tim, what were your thoughts on the Ohio State loss over Wisconsin? Yeah, I hammered Ohio State for one of the first times this season, uh, and, and I, I I would say it's the most lazy and hard to prove and easy take in the world. But Ohio State did not play hard in this one. They got out rebounded in the first half, twenty two to nine. They gave up six offensive rebounds in the first half, leading to 11 points. And there were players who were just out of position and, and did not try to rebound. Felix Akpara got out-rebounded by A.J. Storr once. Um, Devin Royal got out-rebounded by Chucky Hepburn late in the first half. And it was just a simple fact of this team did not really prove that it wanted to be there in that game against Wisconsin. They lost by eight, and they were minus nine in the free throw battle. Wisconsin made uh or sorry, Wisconsin made eight free throws. I think Ohio State made one. So maybe they were minus seven. I don't remember what the exact number was, but they lost by eight. So it, this game was more than winnable for Ohio State, but the offense continues to be sticky. They play like they're playing in rain boots. You've got, you know, it's it's the typical reverse the ball, ball screen, Bruce Thornton try to roll. If he doesn't get anything, he's going to reverse it and they'll throw up a bad three at the end of the shot clock. So it was another really, really poor performance from Ohio State. Offensively, defensively, they were dropping on every single ball screen. They they were not talking or communicating through off-ball screens and giving up a bunch of open looks to Wisconsin. They were in it through the end of the first half with the amount of open looks that they gave to Wisconsin. In the first half, it was clear they weren't going to be able to stick around in the second, and Wisconsin ended up pulling away even with how, how well Ohio State played offensively in the second half. So not a good performance. Um, understand in, in this regard why the why Ohio State decided to part ways with Chris Holtman. With that type of performance, the team looked lost. The team did not look inspired. And it, again, it's an, it's a lazy take and it's hard to prove, but that's what I saw from Ohio State. Well, uh, Rajiv, there was no better team to, uh, you know, get at home. Maybe Michigan would be the only other better team, but uh, fortunately, Illinois got them at home earlier in the day. But there was pretty much no better team to get at home to break a four-game losing streak. Did you see what you wanted to see from the Badgers to make that happen, or do you maybe still have some concerns after the past five games? There's definitely some concerns. I mean, the, the four-game losing streak, especially the losses at Michigan and Rutgers, just opened up, like, opened up a huge can of worms. Um, the first half in Nebraska was great. Since halftime in Nebraska game, we've been a bit of a different team. So we needed the Ohio State win, which was great. Um, ultimately, the gray guard made some adjustments. There were some clear coaching moves that needed to be made and really just more player decisions. AJ Storr has been fantastic for us. Absolutely fantastic. But... The one area where Badger fans really question is shot selection, especially at times on around the three-point arc. And there have been a, there's been a clear message to AJ Store to drive, get dribble penetration, use your athleticism, and get to the rim, get fouled if you can't finish. And he he did that last night, and he was crashing the boards. He had 14 points, 12 rebounds. We out rebounded Ohio State 39 to 26. That's obviously why we won the game. There's no doubt about that. Um, but Stephen Crow also really needed to kind of refocus on his game. Um, and be more aggressive. You know, when he's open at the top of the key, he needs to shoot the ball every time. There is no reason why he shouldn't. Um, but he's been a little gun shy lately. He's been bodied up by very physical fives. <clears throat> Another reason I want Okpara. Um, and so that that's a weakness of his. Um, he's been doubled down a lot in the post, and then he's trying to get out of that and making some poor passes. We we still turn the ball over way too much, but. It was a better game. It's a game we needed to win. And if we have to win ugly like that to get our win total ready for March, that's fine. Um, We've got another road game at Iowa this weekend, and that's going to be difficult. But we just got to keep winning at home. So was it super pretty? No. Are Badger fans thrilled? No. But I still said it's a huge win because when you're on a four-game losing streak, your season can go in a tailspin very, very quickly. Or you can bounce back and realize, okay, you're still in third in the Big Ten. You can probably finish second. You can still get a top five, top six seed in the tournament. So everything's in front of you. And that's the mentality we had last night. And really the coaching moves, I think, were were big. And the players responded clearly to what was needed. 
Yeah, no. It, anytime you're on a losing streak, you get that win. It doesn't really matter how you play. It's a huge win. And obviously, you want to nitpick, you know, how did they play and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you're just glad to walk away with the win for sure. So, Anthony, uh, outside perspective, watching the game, obviously, you didn't have really any rooting interest. But Wisconsin has been struggling. Ohio State just came off a win against Maryland. What were your thoughts over the game? I'd say I have some rooting interest. MSU is still in the mix for a top four seed. So anytime a team that's in the mix for that top four mm. in the, you know, getting a double buy is, you know, it's, it's nice to have that. Um, right. This was definitely a get right game for Wisconsin, right? They desperately needed this one, you know, losing at Michigan. That's ugly. Rutgers, maybe a little less so because they're, you know, they're always tough at the rack, but still Wisconsin's a significantly better team than them. And they, they, you know, needed to step up their play. Um, it was gritty. It was low scoring, right? I think, I think in the, it was 39 points in the first, like, I don't know, 15 minutes of the game between the two teams, which is just, that's just really ugly. Um, unfortunately, Ohio state fell victim to their, you know, very inconsistent offense. They had one field goal in the last seven minutes of the half and that just on the road, that's not going to cut it. Um, and they were, you know, you guys touched on it already, but the rebounding, you could see a discernible difference. Wisconsin was getting all the 50, 50 balls. And that just, that made the difference. Uh, credit to Ohio state for getting it within five, you know, midway through the second half, but you could just see that they didn't have the legs, the steam to to stick with Wisconsin. So, you know, definitely get right game for Wisconsin. They want to stay in the mix for a top four seed, and not just in the big 10, but in the tournament as well. And a game like this, is you know puts if they lose a game like this that really puts them in danger of of losing that you know top four slot in the in the tournament and getting a you know favorable draw. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they they if Michigan State can get one of those top seeds in the tournament, it's definitely going to help them out in a few different ways. And Wisconsin is certainly one of those teams that needs to fall a little bit lower for that to happen. Tim, as you watch Ohio State lose this game and you kind of think about Ohio State now moving on without Chris Holtman uh, in the gameplay, things like that, uh, is do you have any hope for Maybe the team will come out more inspired. Maybe this team can, you know, maybe go on an end of the year run, kind of like they did in the Big Ten tournament last year with Jake Diebler as the head coach. Now, just just coming off of this game and and uh, seeing the way Ohio State played, kind of uninspired ball. Uh, do you have any thoughts going forward with Ohio State after this? Yeah, I have less hope than I did uh, this morning. Essentially, Chris Holtman is a players' coach. Everything that I've heard within the program is that the players even through all of this, still love playing for Chris Holtman. There was also a report that came out that the players did not get to say goodbye to Chris Holtman today, and I think that's going to hurt morale as well. Um, And look, Jake Diebler is essentially the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. In the past two seasons, they've been outside the top 40 in offensive efficiency. That'll be the first time that happened since 2016 and 2017. Outside of that, they're absolutely garbage defensively. So, no, I I don't really have a lot of hope that Ohio State can be any better. I think it's going to hurt their morale. Uh, Jake Dealer has no head coaching experience. They have one other coach on the entire coaching staff with head coaching experience uh, who who never went over 500 in his five seasons at Miami of Ohio, returned 99% of scoring production, 98% of rebounding production, and all five starters in his final year at Miami and still could not go over 500. So I think this is another issue with Chris Holtman during his time at Ohio State. He didn't really build the strongest staff. Um, And I don't think that right now Jake Dealer is going to be able to push them in the right direction. I I think this game against Purdue is going to be a bloodbath and uh, it's going to be tough for Ohio State to pick up more than two wins down the stretch here. Well, it's going to be hard for it to be worse than the bloodbath was uh, this past weekend uh, when when IU played Purdue. So as long as they don't uh, have that kind of performance, they're good, right? <laughs> don't challenge Ohio State with a good time. That's all I'll say. I'm, I'm just glad that Zach Eady got his first career three out of the out of the way because I was certain for a fact that it was going to happen against Michigan State. It still might happen when we go to Mackey. We just that that place is a house of horrors for us. Uh, for question is is Jake Diebler related to John? Yes, he is. They are brothers. Um, Jake actually had uh, as good as a high school career as John did in the state of Ohio. I think he leads uh, Ohio still in either assists or steals um, in high school basketball history. So, yes, uh, they are related. Basically, all of that team, uh, Greg Oden, uh, John Diebler, and I think maybe William Buford are all 
involved in the staff there at Xavier with that Mata. So, uh, yeah, it's a family affair over there at Butler and Jake's still here with Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I love John Deebler when he played at Ohio State, and uh, the, the I remember that game at, I, fun. I remember that game at Penn State where he hit ten. It just that dude could just fill up fill up the stat the uh, scoreboard like none other. The good old days. Yep. Jake Deebler might get the job if he has a way of bringing John Deebler back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good point. We should uh, reach out to uh, Gene Smith and see if there's a possibility there. Uh, all right. Before we move on, Rajiv, uh, Wisconsin, obviously, they have six games left. You mentioned the game at Iowa. Uh, there are two biggest games left on the schedule. They play at home against Illinois and then final game of the season at Purdue. Uh, just give us real quick your expectations for this team ending out the season. And, uh, you know, would you be happy with maybe a three or a four seed or? Or do you think they need to continue to win and they can get higher than that? What are, what are your thoughts just overall the rest of the season, Rajiv? Yeah, I mean, I think we, at this point, based on coming into the season, if you'd have told me we were going to be finished third or fourth in the Big Ten, we would have taken it. But we had a great start to the, to the year, and A.J. Store was even better than we thought he was going to be. And the addition of Blackwell as a freshman, he, he's been a great sixth man. So at this point, though, I do kind of expect I want to finish second, and that's where I want to finish second in the league. Obviously, we're not, no one's catching Purdue and that's fine. But I think Illinois and Wisconsin, they're, they're probably a better team than us overall. They've got a ton of athleticism, but I think we can finish above them. So at this point we need to, we got three road games left. Um, Iowa, Indiana, and Purdue. If we win one, that's great. Our home games, uh, we got Illinois at home. We've got uh, Maryland at home. Um, we, we need to, we win our home games, lose a couple road games that, finishes seven losses i think that probably puts us in third second or third place and that's fine ultimately what we're going for preferably is a top four to five seed in the ncaa tournament and it's all about the draw and see what happens i mean i think that we can be a sweet 16 team um that's probably the ceiling for us at this point maybe if the draw is lucky we can compete for an elite eight spot but that's unlikely we just want to get to the sweet 16 that's something that greg gard needs to have done um and whether it happens this year who knows but we need to compete we need to be in a position to actually make it happen very good. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, all right. So Tim's going to head out. Tim, you got any more final thoughts or anything you want to say before you get out of here? No. Um, w- one thing I will say, I guess, um, is, you know, it's kind of sad to see Chris Holtman go kind of like you mentioned, Jr. Um, he's just a good guy. He's a good dad. He's a good husband. The program for seven years was clean under Chris Holtman. Uh, and it's, it's sad to see the Ohio state fan base rejoice over a guy getting fired as a guy who's been fired before, uh, you feel pathetic. You feel embarrassed. You have no idea where you're going to go. And people can say, yeah, Chris Holtman made millions of dollars. He got paid $12.1 million just to get fired. I get that. But at the same time, he's a human being who feels emotions as well. Um, was nothing but kind to me, you know, whenever we talk. So uh, best of luck to Chris Holtman in the future. He'll find a job very, very easily. Um, and follow Views from the Shop podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, uh, and wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe. It's free. I don't take your info. If I did take it, I would not know how to use it anyway. Um, so make sure you follow, subscribe, and uh, and talk to me about Ohio State Hoops. So uh, that's all I got. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Tim. Have a good one tonight. All right. We're going to switch on over to Michigan State now. Oh, Anthony, you're not. Bucky Report. There we go. Uh, all right, so this Michigan State and uh, Penn State game that happened earlier tonight, good win for Michigan State. I know there were some Spartan fans that were a little concerned going on the road, and that was something that Spartan fans wanted to see was a road win, and obviously not you know the most difficult team in, in the world, but Penn State has been known to kind of get up there and play a good game and give teams some scares, but felt like Michigan State kind of had the game in hand most of the game, and they kept it there. It was nice to see they didn't really have a – a letdown to let Penn State get back into the game and make it scary there at the end. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the win, Anthony. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been watching the Malik Hall show for the second half of this season. He's just erupted and, you know, gotten the classic case of Izzo senioritis in the best way possible. He's been an elite finisher. He was 10 for 13 today from the field. Um, his three point shooting, he doesn't take many, he takes one, maybe two a game, but he's shooting over 50% in conference play, which he is a weird, awkward shot. But if it goes in, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about it. Right. Um, great to see Aikens step up on the road. Um, you know, obviously he was scorching hot in the first half, you know, he's four for seven from three on the game and he had that 
crazy yam dunk uh, in the first half. I'm not sure if you got to see it or not. He just, it was in transition. It was unbelievable dunk. Um, so that was, that was really good from him. Uh, I was a little disappointed to see AJ Hogard have such a, um, have such a uh, quiet game, given that he's from Pennsylvania, given that he, uh, I don't know, a, a lot of his family was probably there. He had a really good game at Penn State last year. He had 23 points. So I was a little bummed that, that he, uh, that he was quiet tonight, but you know, it's, you kind of, you, you take what you get, I guess with, with AJ, I know when he's dialed in, it's a hard team to beat. But again, if you're getting 20 from Akins, 29 from Hull, you know, a road wins a road win, right? You, you can't, can't complain about that. MSU showed a lot of energy, you know, first half, they, they put together good offensive pieces where they were moving the ball. Well, their mid range, you know, shooting was really good. So, and, and actually um, Carson Cooper stepped up. He had 10 points tonight. That was one of his, maybe his best game of the, uh, of the season or one of his better ones. So this is the time of the year where you see is a really hone in on a seven or eight player lineup. He's done all of his tinkering. I think he kind of knows what pieces he has at this point. And he's really just going to roll, you know, roll with, the squad that he has. Um, it's part of the reason I think he's may, probably not going to go to the transfer portal because he knows the chemistry of this team. And he, I don't know if he's going to inject something he doesn't know about into that, into that mix mid season helpful as it may be. Yeah, no, that's crazy to, to think about the, uh, the things going on there and how Izzo has been able to just ride with his guys and not make any huge wholesale changes, even through uh, some of the adversity that this team has faced this year. But uh, I mean, when you look at it, results like this road wins against big 10 teams, which it's not easy to beat any big 10 team on the road. Uh, it's hard to argue with results like that. So uh, Rajiv, this game happened earlier tonight. So what were your thoughts on the Michigan state win over Penn state? Yeah, one thing that I'm always very consistent on all the time is that any road win in the Big Ten is a great is a good win. Take the win on the road. You know, if you can split your games on the road, you're and and do well at home, you're probably going to be in the mix for the league. So that's I think any win's good. We lost to Penn State. I think it's it's weird because it's a kind of a crappy atmosphere. They seem to have no fans that go to the games, but for some reason, I mean, look, it's hard to win those games because the confidence level of the home team is so huge. So, um, yeah, look, I I I like many people was happier when Michigan state was a little bit lower on the standings. And then because the Tom Izzo team and with, I mean, I, even though, you know, you don't have a lot of points here from Walker and Hogard. I mean, like Malik Hall is incredible. Akins is incredible. They've they're really good players. And I just feel like you don't want, I don't want to see Michigan say any, anytime, any soon. We already beat them twice this year. I'm, I don't want to see him in the big 10 tournament. I don't want to see him in the NCAA tournament. They're a scary team because got great athletes and because they have Tom Izzo on the bench tonight, I thought was a very professional type win. Um, the second half, I think Penn State did a played actually they they played really nice. I mean, they they're a very open team, and I feel like they they got good looks and they kind of put a little fear in Michigan State here and there. Um, but for the most part, every single time there'd be a little Penn State run, Malik Hall would do something else, right? Or Akins would shoot another three. I mean, so I feel like it's that's the kind of win you need to have on the road. Michigan State is just continuing to improve. They had a slow start to the season, obviously under achieved expectations, but. I don't think anyone wants to see them in March and they're once again going to be dangerous. So yeah, this was a good win for them and exactly what you need to do to just keep climbing up the big 10 standings. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, we got some people here in the chat. Sonny says it's on for second Rajiv. He knows Sonny, uh, you, you, you play us once and you got to come to Madison. So we're happy about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that was more about the Wisconsin schedule earlier, but uh, I wanted to make sure we had uh, Sonny give a shout out there. So Anthony, <clears throat> you know, you kind of mentioned AJ, AJ Hogard. AJ Hogard to me is the puzzle piece to this Michigan State team that is going to not dictate some of these games against Penn State, but some of these larger games where they do play uh, better better teams. And, you know, like you said, against Illinois, he was huge. Uh, he was somebody that made basically gave them that comeback at the end of the game and played very well uh, throughout the game to keep them close there. But uh, you, what are just your thoughts on A.J. Hogarth? Can, can he be this kind of – puzzle piece that helps the team or are you kind of like man we need it but we're just not really sure if we're going to get it so he this is one of the most contentious Izzo players point guards that i think people will think about people love aj when he's you know doing well and they just hate him when he doesn't look dialed in when he's you know showing lack of effort um Izzo in 
Hogarth have a story, you know, relationship to, they really get into each other. Um, at Illinois, the thing that he did that I think shows that this Izzo team is really starting to gel, put it together, kind of clear out whatever cobwebs were there earlier in the season is Izzo was, you know, getting ready to shout at someone on the court and AJ, he didn't push him back, but he basically put his hand out to Izzo and said like, no, no, I got this. The best Izzo teams that they have are the ones where he has a coach that's on the floor. And Walker is a dog in terms of like getting a bucket, but he's not the straw that stirs the drink in terms of getting this team, you know, being the leader on this team. That's AJ. AJ is the leader that this team needs to have if they want to, if they want to make a run. So I truly believe he has that in him. I saw it in him in March last year. Um, If you watch that game against K-State, AJ was just, he, he, turned it into another gear. They didn't win that game um, for, you know, just because K- K- uh, K-State couldn't miss a bucket and, you know, Marquise Noel had 30 assists or whatever. Um, but AJ AJ showed, you know, hung right in there and took a team that was a seven seed to an almost elite eight, right? So it's, you know, they, as he is dialed in this team, that, that shows this team their ceiling. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like you said, the leadership aspect of it and everything that goes into it there. Um, that's huge. Rajiv, the, like, we were talking about the top four earlier and how you kind of want that double buy. Uh, but we got two teams here in Northwestern and Michigan State. And yes, we are going to talk about Northwestern a little bit later and their big matchup with Rutgers. But do you think that Michigan State is going to be able to get in that top four? Or do you think that you know, they've just been too inconsistent this year and you think it's more of Northwestern's game to take. Uh, they kind of have some similar schedules here down the road. I would say Northwestern is easier. However, Northwestern and Michigan State do play and it is at Michigan State, second last game of the year. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on who do you think will kind of be that fourth piece because right now it looks like it will be Purdue, Illinois, and Wisconsin. So if we just assume that, who's going to be the fourth piece to these uh, double buys? I'm never going to count out Michigan State. Um, Northwestern just doesn't have the pedigree that Michigan State has. Obviously, they've got Boo Booey, and he's fantastic, and he's been on lights out most of the year. And yeah, Michigan Michigan State has been cons- inconsistent. But the thing is, they're getting more consistent. They're playing better. I mean, you watch their games; they're just playing better basketball. They're they I believe they actually out rebound. They they've had rebounding issues. We out rebounded them by ten tonight. I think they they finally stepped up and rebounded the ball better. They've been rebounding it better in general. And correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but that's what I've kind of just seen. So I feel like I'm all I'm never going to count them out. I'm going to say Michigan State will get fourth because they're Michigan State and. They've simply got better players than Northwestern does. They've got better players than a lot of us, a lot of our teams do. Uh, but, you know, yeah, they've had an iffy start. But like I said, I absolutely think they'll get fourth. Um, Northwestern is really good. And I, I'm excited to, to continue watching them. But they just, I think they're going to, as we've said many times, losing, winning on the road's hard, no matter where you play, all the way down to Michigan and Ohio State. Like, it's still hard to win there, too. Um, so... But I, they'll, they're going to just kind of stumble down the stretch, whereas a Tom Izzo team tends to find it when it matters. Yeah, no, they definitely. The other, what you say, the other thing you're going to want to keep in mind is that um, they just announced it today. Ty Berry uh, tore his meniscus and is out for the rest of the season. Yes, um, that's actually one of my talking points for the preview for Northwestern. But they have three guys who've hit 53s on the season. He's one of them, and they're a great outside shooting team. But losing a guy like that, it's it's going to it's going to make it harder to win games down the stretch. So I think it's hard to ignore one of your key starting contributors being out the rest of the year. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, that's a huge piece there. Uh, that, that could be uh, hard for them. Philip actually was saying the same thing. The Ty Barry injury could be a major problem for Northwestern. He's been uh, a huge piece of their offense so far this year. It, basically every big game you see him in, the, the announcers are talking about Boo Booey and right-hand man Ty Berry right there uh, being able to, to hit shots. And uh, Northwestern has even gone to Ty Berry sometimes late in games over Boo Booey. So it's uh, been interesting to see see that dynamic there. All right, guys, let's go ahead. Uh, oh, before we do move on, I do want to remind you about CBB Analytics. CBB Analytics gives me a free pro tier to tell you every time we have a basketball episode 
about them. So CVV Analytics is a stats and analytics group that they just they they put out really good analytics, really in depth, uh, defensive, advanced defensive stats, advanced offensive stats. It's not just your traditional box scores type stuff. They also do a lot of graphs, a lot of shooting charts, things like that. Really good information that helps you be a better basketball fan and more knowledgeable about the game. Even if you don't want to pay for CBB analytics, there are free, uh, there is a free tier and some other kind of tiers where it costs less money uh, and things like that. So definitely check out CBB analytics. They have a lot of awesome content. Uh, I I love that I have the pro tier. It's the the free pro tier. Something sometimes I'll just get on there and look up random stats, (laughs) which sounds weird. But when you have all these stats at your hands, sometimes that's what you do. So check out CBB analytics. It's a great resource. All right, guys, let's move on to Michigan and Illinois. I don't know how much there is to talk about this game other than Illinois, good, Michigan, no Doug McDaniel, on the road, bad. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., uh, how dare we ever question this man? 31 points, <laughs> three assists, three rebounds, uh, was just absolutely spectacular. Five three-pointers in this game. Uh, Rajiv, what what are your thoughts on Illinois nearly scoring 100 at home and just absolutely obliterating Michigan? Yeah, no one questions uh, the skill of Terrence Shannon. Of course, maybe whether or not he should be playing, that's another discussion. But look, I think that they have so many athletes. I mean, you look across Illinois, they're like there's they're scary looking team. You know, Garrier and Damask and and um and the guy I'm forgetting, Hawkins. Like they're just yeah. they're 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 long, they're athletic. They're extremely skilled, and Shannon's fantastic. Like he, he is who he is. They're one of the best teams in the conference. They're arguably one of the best teams in America, and I am excited to see them go up against Purdue um, again and, and see how that how they fare and against us. Uh, but look, Michigan's just bad. I mean, that that's just what they are. They beat us because we had one of the worst little stretches of our history. It was awful this past week, but you know, they yeah, without McDaniel, they're a different team, and they just. They, they don't have it. It doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. I just feel like that place, we talk about going on the road in the Big Ten. Well, Champaign is a ridiculously hard place to play. I hate going to Champaign. I think there's, to me, there's no arena in this conference that like that scares me as an opponent more than that place just because the fans are on top of you. Everyone's all dressed in orange. I feel like the atmosphere has always been great um, at Assembly Hall. So I think that, that look, they're, they're a really good team. And it doesn't surprise me one bit that they did this. They and you expect them to do this, right? This is what you expect from one of the top teams in the conference. This is what Purdue does to teams. This is what we've done to Michigan State. Sorry, um, but you know, I mean, good for them. I'm excited to play them. They are absolutely skilled, and I, I, it's not just about the Big Ten. Illinois is a team that I feel like has true Final Four ceiling this year, just because of Shannon and the ridiculous long list of athletes they have. And Damascus has been such a nice addition for them. So yeah, very impressive and not a, not a difficult game, but it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this progresses and, and whether or not they can, um, you know, solidify the second spot. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it was a definitely impressive performance and this team just impresses me uh, whenever I watch them, if nothing else for the type of, basketball and the brand of basketball they play just so many switches and everything seems like a mismatch uh, I, I love when you see four guys on the perimeter it's all their four longest and lankiest guys and then you have Ty Rogers who's six six he looks like a little guy out there with all the other guys uh, but then Ty Rogers is posting somebody up and it's like what in the world is offense you know am I watching college basketball or the NBA here <laughs> but you know that's kind of what they do and, and it's really interesting and it's it's fun to watch. So, Anthony, uh, obviously, Michigan uh, not having the best year. Oh, I meant to highlight this from Philip. Uh, Illinois has won eight straight against Juwan Howard, led Michigan. Uh, I definitely I saw that stat and wanted to mention that earlier. So I'm glad Philip reminded me there. Thank you. Um, Michigan just kind of on a downward spiral here. Seems like they've been on a downward spiral for a couple months now. Um, your thoughts on Illinois defeating Michigan? So first off, I want to point out that it is possible to fire a coach midseason. <laughs> Not that Ward Manuel would do that, but it is possible to do Did that. Did you hear his comments um, earlier today? I uh, I mean, I heard the you're welcome post-game comment. No, no. Was Nicole, there something else I missed? Yeah, Nicole Auerbach uh, from The Athletic. Oh, about he, Ward. Yeah, yes, I did. Yeah, 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 he was like, I've not even considered it. And it's like, really? Okay. <laughs> 
All right. You, I'm, I'm not going to complain. You want to keep Joe on there, you know, knock yourself out. Yeah. Oh, and here's the thing. If we bash Ward Manuel, I think, I think Michigan fans are all for that. Cause I think that's like the unifying thing amongst everybody. <laughs> right now. But anyway, sorry, go on. So go anyway, sorry to, to derive from the game. So in general, Michigan has been able to hang with most teams for the first half. And then their second half point ref- differential has been horrendous. It's like minus 130 or something like that in big 10 play. It's just a, ridiculous second half point differential where they, you know, they let a lead get away. Wisconsin was actually one of the rare games. They didn't, they didn't let a lead get away at halftime. Um, So this game actually was even out of control before halftime. Michigan had it, you know, within four with a couple minutes left to close the half, but then Illinois went on a 16 2 run and it's like Michigan never really recovered after that. I think Illinois was able to sit their starters for like eight minutes of the second half you know, at that point, you're the backups are playing Michigan against Michigan starters. Um, overall, this is a great response from Illinois. Uh, you know, they dropped a tough one, you know, at Michigan State, but this is a bad, bad, bad Michigan team. And, you know, they, they they never really let up. They have athletes all over the place. They're they have a ton of length. They're really tough defensively. I still think Coleman Hawkins is one of the best all around players in the Big Ten in terms of all of the ways that he can affect the game on both ends of the floor. Um, so, you know, hard to find too many flaws with Illinois offensively, right? They're, they're averaging 82 or 83 points a game. Last two times they've done that, they've made a final four. So, you know, take that for what you will They're They've got all the, the pieces to put up numbers. Can they, you know, can they defend, right? That's if they run into a hot team, you know, you saw against Michigan state, Illinois, they, Michigan State was just running circles around them towards the end of the game. They they were making really tough, you know, really tough shots, good shots. And Illinois, you know, it that's that's what's gonna come down to how far this team can go is their defensive ceiling. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes they can get in their own head, right? When the other team goes on a run, uh, it's almost like Illinois just has this this hard time of coming back from that. Now, they've definitely done it this season. I'm not saying it's been a struggle throughout the entire season, but uh, you know, I think most people kind of saw that in the Tennessee game where Tennessee started to get up and it was harder for Illinois to get back. And that's kind of what I felt like was happening with Michigan State when Michigan State started to come back and then Illinois you know, struggling to get back into that game, make a run back. Uh, but definitely no question on what the ceiling for this Illinois team is. They, If they play a good brand of basketball throughout the entire tournament, this is a Final Four caliber team. Uh, and one of the big reasons for that – oh, there goes Anthony. Maybe he'll come back. Uh, one of the big reasons for that, Rajiv, is uh, Coleman Hawkins and his defensive ability. Now, Sonny and I kind of had a little bit of a conversation on is he defensive player of the year. I think he's in the conversation. I don't know if he is the big de- Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. A lot of people seem to be thinking that. What say you, Rajiv? Are you on board with Coleman Hawkins, Defensive Player of the Year? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's hard to argue against that. I mean, the guy's a great defensive player. I mean, I'm always gonna I'm always gonna go for Chucky Hepburn just because I think he's the best right. defender in the conference. But um, yeah, I mean, Hawkins is. If there was one person on any Big Ten team. Any player that I wanted on any team, I would, I mean, yeah, not Zach Eady because he's whatever, but it's, it's, it's Hawkins. I mean, he is so versatile. He's like this perfect player. That's just a extremely long, lanky guy. That's got handles and can shoot and can do everything on the floor. He's an all around athlete. And to me, like you, Sharon, Shannon's great, but I mean, Hawkins is not their second best player. And I think that, yeah, he's defense player of the year. Wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it if he got it. Obviously I always want Chucky to get it, but yeah, it's fine. I mean, I think he's, it's a very worthy award for him. Yeah, no, for sure. I, and that's what I'm saying is like, yes, he's probably the second best player on the team, but I think you can make an argument that Coleman Hawkins is the most important and the most impactful player on this team because I really do feel like Illinois goes as Coleman Hawkins goes. Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to get his every single game. He's going to he's going to score and, and he's going to, you know, be that slasher but also make those uh make those threes when you lay off him and stuff. Um but at the end of the day, uh you know, Terrence or, uh, Coleman Hawkins is the most impactful and most important player on this team. In my mind, Sonny is saying Hawkins may be the team MVP this year. I think so, especially with seeing Terrence Shannon Jr. go out earlier this year. Domas filled in really, really well. Uh, but 
Hawkins has been kind of that consistent piece all year long. Would you say, uh, Anthony, would you agree with that, that Coleman Hawkins has been the most important piece of this Illinois team this year? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the glue that holds the team together in a lot of ways. I think his, I, I said, I talked about his versatility earlier, but having a 6'10 guy who can guard on the perimeter, move his feet like he does, and has as quick of hands as he does is a luxury, right? Having someone with with that kind of length and that kind of mobility. It's why I think he's gonna get he's gonna get NBA looks this year, right? I don't know if I without a doubt him on an, I don't know if I would have put him on an NBA board at the beginning of the season, but now there's no question about it. The 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 tools that he's shown. Um and he's just kind of uh he does all those things that you know, he does fill up the box score sheet, but he does lots of little things that don't always show up in the box score too, that just, you know, he gives this team an energy. He gives this team an edge that it, you know, maybe sometimes to a fault in terms of how much edge he brings to this team, but it's, you know, he's a guy that, you know, lights a fire under him and, and just really helps them to reach their, you know, reach their biggest potential. Yeah. I mean, uh, unquestionable passion from Coleman Hawkins. So I said it during our uh, videos and we were doing some of the awards and stuff like that. I know people aren't really a fan of Coleman Hawkins, but there's something about him. I just, I really love watching him play. And uh, yeah, he's a different style of player than Draymond, but he has a similar energy where it's like, you can't stand the guy when he's not on your team, but you love (laughs) it when he is right. Jaws a little bit, tons of defensive energy. He's kind of got a similar vibe in terms of just like, just that guy yeah he has not responded but to my dm by the way <laughs> to, to, so rajiv we had a bit with uh it was casual big 10 i think uh yeah, was 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 hoping to get coleman hawkins on his pod and we were we were sending him dms to try to get him there so <laughs> no uh no progress on that and we and we said if he blocks you guys then he really is the defensive player of the year add those <laughs> to his stat block totals for the year he did so. not block us not yet <laughs> We'll see. Uh, All right. Well, let's guys, uh, let's get to this last game. So this is a preview Northwestern and Rutgers. Rutgers is actually favored in this one by two points, but in Ken Palm, uh, Northwestern is actually favored to win this game by one point. So a little bit of different styles here and to see what could happen, but Northwestern losing Ty Berry. The rack is a really, really tough place to go play. Steve Peichel has his guys playing better so far uh, with the addition back of uh, Jeremiah Williams and what he's been able to bring to this team. So you add Williams to Rutgers, you subtract Ty Berry from Northwestern. Rajiv, what are your thoughts on this game and who wins and why? I think Rutgers wins because it's, it's very hard to win on the road in the big 10 and Rutgers is a very tough place to play. Uh, we just found that out. We got smoked up there for some odd reason. We decided not to show up. Uh, but I hope if Northwestern gets off the bus, they'll look better than Wisconsin did. Uh, but look, Northwestern's a good team, but Tyberry obviously is a big loss. And, and Boo Booey, um, I like him a lot. I think he's great. But you're just not going to have that kind of success in that building. And it's hard to keep that intensity up every one of these games. I think this just is a classic game that Northwestern's going to drop because they're Northwestern, because they're going to keep making some mistakes, because they're going to get, they're going to, Rutgers going to end up forcing 10 plus turnovers in this game, maybe 15. And you do that, it's going to be a tough place for them to shoot. Northwestern shooting, the three point percentage is not going to be as as well as it is at home. And yeah, I think Rutgers wins this and I think they win it probably by 10 or 15 points. I'm, I'm taking Rutgers minus two. I just feel like, you know, Northwestern's a good team, but this is just one of those road games that they're just not going to win, in my opinion. They don't. They don't have that moxie to go up to that arena. That's a tough place and and get a victory. You got to be one of the upper echelon teams to to be able to do this and to go up to places like this, which is a lot of these arenas, to be fair. But I mean, other than the the the, the Ohio State's and the Michigans, just this year, everyone else is. It's very very difficult to go to their place and win. Yeah, especially for Rutgers. And and what's interesting is Rutgers is on a three game losing or three game winning streak, but two of those wins were at other teams places i mean this was at michigan at maryland ever since jeremiah williams has been back this has looked like a totally different team which makes me just dislike the ncaa even more that they didn't give us a full season of jeremiah williams because what could Rutgers have been this season if they did have him Mm -hmm. all year unfortunately i don't really think they have a shot at making the tournament um there's just not enough good games left or i mean there are good games left 
but there's just not enough games left on this schedule. If you win at Purdue, if you win at Wisconsin, if you win at Nebraska, sure, maybe, but you're going to tell me <laughs> Rutgers is going to win at Purdue, at Nebraska, at Wisconsin? Heck no, that's not that's not happening. So uh, it's really, really crazy and unfortunate for Rutgers. But Anthony, I know you were going to bring up Ty Berry. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on Northwestern not having them? And do you think Northwestern has a shot? So I'm, yes, I think they have a shot. And the reason is that Rutgers is sub 300 at every shooting statistic there is. Um, they're a putrid team offensively. That said, um, I, I use, uh, I do like an, there's an on off tool I use with Jeremiah Williams and their offensive rating with him on the floor versus off the floor is completely different. So it's, you know, this is a team that looks and feels different offensively with him. Plus it's at home, Northwestern's offensive uh, points per possession for a hundred possessions is 121.3 at home and 103.9 on the road. Combine that with Rutgers having the number two defense in the country, not the big 10, the country, that is going to make it really tough for Northwestern to pull out a win here. I don't think it's going to be a blowout um, because Northwestern still has a lot of options who can generate buckets. I think Boo Boo is always going to get, you know, he's really, really good at getting to the foul line, but because it's on the road, I have, you know, I have Northwestern or I have Northwestern dropping a, you know, kind of a close grinded out in the fifth, first one to 50 type game. wins. <laughs> First one to 50. That's awesome. Yeah, I know what's crazy. Uh, and I know plus minus is not everybody's favorite stat, but I feel like it's a pretty simple stat to go to that can really show things. Jeremiah Williams has played three, three games this season. He is 46 plus minus. I mean, it, they're, they only have three players higher than that. Uh, yeah. Derek Simpson, 67. Jermichael Davis is 53. On, uh, Andre Hyatt is 47. I mean, those yeah. are the three guys that are in front. Of it. It's it's wild. What were you going to say, Anthony? The uh, the adjusted so the other one the points per possession out of a hundred they're ninety five without him they're a hundred and eleven point one with wow so you, you know, know where that ranks what Ken Palm hundred eleventh uh, would rank in Ken Palm I don't know it's a different it's a different metric but I can it's oh, it's, it's a lot bit okay. it's a lot better I mean it's it's probably top a hundred but right now they're sub they're three hundred level offense they're just their their offense is so so bad or has been up to this point yeah it does kind of make you wonder what could have been though if he had been playing the whole year i'm telling you man i will never forgive the ncaa for a number (laughs) of things and this just adds adds the list for me so um my my other question would be so northwestern is i don't know if i'd say they're on the bubble i'd say they're pretty comfortably in right now given the resume but if Tiberi is out and they end up dropping a couple, you know, they have a pretty easy schedule for the most part for the rest of the season. Obviously no big 10 game is easy, but it's, it's pretty favorable outside of the road game at state. If Northwestern ends up dropping three or four of these games, where do they sit in the tournament? Are they still comfortably in? Are they on the bubble where, and if they don't have Tiberi for the big 10 tournament, what is that? What does that mean? and look like, is this a team that's in danger of missing the tournament without him? Yeah, you want to take that first, Rajiv? Yeah, I actually think that Northwestern's schedule is a little bit iffy. I mean, they do, like, they have the three of their next four on the road. Um, they've got, uh, obviously, Rutgers, Indiana, and then Maryland after the home against Michigan. But, yeah, I think that they're, I think they're in, just they, they've got good enough wins. And I think, in, in generally speaking, if you can get to 500 or above in the conference, you're likely in the tournament. That's just a general rule thumb that typically happens. So I feel like if they, they, I think they can get three more wins, get to 11. And at that point, I think they're they're in pretty easily. Um, but they also, without Barry, they can go in a bit of a tailspin. I mean, if they lose these three out of their next four home, three out of the next four road games, they lose them all, then it's a different situation, and they've got to really pull together in March. But either way, I think they're still in the tournament because it's unlikely they, that they drop that much. Yeah, Northwestern is has been a kind of a conundrum for me this season. Uh, they've been almost like the antithesis of Michigan State. Uh, whereas Michigan State and them have similar records, similar similar Big Ten records. Uh, Michigan State sixteen and nine, eight and six in the conference. Northwestern seventeen and seven, eight and five in the conference. But Michigan State is kind of hovering around twenty. They're top twenty five right now, I believe, in net. 
Uh, and then you have Northwestern, who's outside the top 50 and has been outside of the top 50 for quite some time now, ever since that Chicago State loss. And so it's been really, really interesting to think, like, what's going to happen here with Northwestern? I agree if they if they win the games that they should, they should be in the tournament. However, I know the committee loves the numbers and loves to look at that stuff. That's one of the reasons why even last year when Ohio State was 500, people were like, Ohio State still might make the tournament because they have really good numbers. Uh, but at the end of the day, if if you, you are a good team but you don't have the numbers, uh, it can be really, really hard for you to make the tournament. So, uh, Anthony, I, I'm curious, are you on the stance that you think Northwestern is in or does it kind of depend on how they finish it out here? What are your thoughts? Um, I think it does depend on how they finish it out. I think, you know, if this is a team that's at 500 in the, in the big 10, what are they at right now? They're eight and five, eight, five, eight, eight and five. five yeah. yeah. So they'd have to finish two and five, which is pretty bad, right? Obviously 500, you're not in. I think if you win three games, I think if you win four games, you're comfortable. You're, I would say you're, you're pretty comfortable, you know, 12 and eight, even in a down big 10 is still pretty good. 11 and nine is when you start to get dicey 10 and 10, you are definitely not in, in the big 10 this year. So, so let's say, I, I think, the- I think four is, I think four is probably your four is probably your get in number three. You're sweating it out a little bit. So let's, let's just look at the schedule really fast. Rutgers at Indiana, Michigan at Maryland, Iowa at Michigan State, Minnesota. If they win those three home games and then say steal at Indiana or at Maryland, uh, do you think that's enough to get them in? That's four wins would take them to what twelve and eight. Yeah, yes. they're going to get I, in at twelve and eight. They're, you're not leaving I, out a twelve and eight Big Ten team. Yeah, yeah, I think that is. I think that is enough to get them in. Um, where it starts to get interesting is say they drop one of those home games or you know whatever. I it's. With with Tiberi out, who knows? You know that the team has lived. I would lived and died by the three. They, they they have been so good from deep this year that if you lose one of your three best three point shooters, there's gonna it's gonna leave a mark. You're gonna feel that loss. Uh, and then on the other side of this, okay, you might call me crazy and chat if you want to, you know, dog me because I know sometimes you don't like my uh, <laughs> my weird scenarios. But just humor me for a minute, okay? Rutgers the rest of the season. Northwestern at home, at Minnesota, at Purdue, Maryland, Michigan, at Nebraska, at Wisconsin, Ohio State. Uh, Rajiv didn't like my uh, my uh, scenario here, I suppose. Uh, but Anthony, if they steal one of those at Purdue, at Nebraska, at Wisconsin, if they steal one of those and they win the rest of their games, that puts them at what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. That puts them at eleven and nine. Will an eleven and nine Big Ten team, eleven and nine in the conference, uh, make the NCAA tournament? Even though they've had some struggles so far this year, I would say no. Um, yeah. This is a down. This is a down Big Ten. Um, I think you need. I think you need twelve wins to feel comfortable. Eleven and nine, you're borderline. But they, like metrics wise. I don't know where they're at net, but I know on Torvik they're like 90th right now. And I just, yeah. a lot of the games have kind of already been, been played at this point. Your net is pretty hard to move up and down. Um, if you, uh, you do have, what net does do is they rate blowouts really highly. So they blow out a bunch of teams. Then that's the way that your net truly skyrockets. Right. So the way that Rutgers was able to beat Wisconsin that is a huge step in the right direction. But if you're hovering at five, if you're 13 and 10 at this point in the season, it's your, you got a long journey to get back, you know, get back in the field. But so I guess, yeah, let's see if they win five games of their seven. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. Um, it's kind of hard to see this team doing that, but you know, I guess never count out Steve, Steve Peichel. He's, he has a way of getting his guys, um, getting them organized. And again, they play great defense and that will keep them in most games. Yeah, no, I, I think it's hard to see him do it too. But like I said, you know, they, they won their last three games and two of those were on the road. And one of those was against, you know, I think Wisconsin was ranked 10th or 11th at the time when they beat them. So, I mean, this Rutgers team with Jeremiah Williams, and if they, if they beat Northwestern pretty handedly, like Rajiv said, you know, 10, 15 points, 
Um, you know, that's been kind of their problem. They've been blown out this year, 61 to 46 against Penn State, 86 to 63 against Illinois, uh, 73 to 55 against Michigan State. I'll give you that one there, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> 86 to 77 against that. I mean, they've been, you know, double digit losses a few times this season, which hurts them. But, uh, but yeah, if they can go out there and, uh, get some of these double digit wins, uh, or double wins Good. that are in the double digits, that would be really helpful. The good news is they have three signature win opportunities on the rest of the schedule, right? A lot of teams kind of only have one or two at this point. So they have three, right? Chance right. to, if you know, if you can get two of those three, then then things get really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm rooting for it. I am rooting for a Rutgers to make the tournament with Jeremiah Williams, stick it to the NCAA. And hey, even if they lose all three of these really big wins, if they make a run on the tournament in the Big Ten tournament, who knows? I, I don't know. I, I, I am That's, fishing that way here. And that's actually the other, that's actually the other aspect too, is right. I'm, I'm just talking regular season. If you win two games in the big 10 tournament, you get hot. Then, then the committee starts to give you even more, more of a look. I personally, I'm fine with Rutgers not making the tournament because of last year um, and yeah. what they did to Michigan state um, and how they got left out of the tournament last year. I think karma has to come back for them one more time before I'll start rooting for them to make the tournament again. And I'm not sure if you just- remember what happened. I'm not sure if you remember what happened. It's not great. Vaguely, remind me. Vaguely, I do. But so Michigan State was um, had skipped a couple of games because of the uh, the shooting on campus. Yeah. So they they were short some games, and they were trying to reschedule the Rutgers game. And Steve Peichel basically said, "We don't want to reschedule it." And we're like, "Okay, you know." (laughs) And and it was Michigan State was kind of on the bubble. We were looking for wins, and obviously, you know, he didn't want to it put his team in danger or whatever. But then when selection Sunday came, nothing. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was kind of like, sorry to hear that Steve. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I do remember that happening. I'll let you say that though. So, all right. Well, uh, that's what we got for the show today. Thank you, Anthony, for uh, coming on here. And thank you for Rajiv making it too. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe he had an issue with his internet, but uh, hopefully all is well there. If you want to catch Rajiv, head on over to the Bucky Report on YouTube. Uh, they have, it's also a podcast, so wherever they're at on podcasts, you can find them over there as well. Anthony, why don't you tell people where they can find you at? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Shardy. Um, if you see the poop emoji, you are in the right spot. Um, for my more serious work, uh, I write for Spartan Shadows, uh, Spartan underscore Shadows on Twitter, and then SpartanShadows.com. Very good. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Appreciate it. Join us again next Sunday night. We'll be going through all the games there. Like I said, the uh, the big games to, to uh, warrant that are Rutgers in Minnesota, kind of like we went over here. Illinois faces Maryland on Saturday. Wisconsin and Iowa. Michigan State goes to Michigan. We'll see uh, if Juwan, the fighting Juwan Howards have anything to say about that game or if the Tom Izzo's can take it. So it uh, should be a fun weekend of basketball. We'll be here to recap it all with you Sunday night. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for watching.